Hello and welcome to an all-new PastaCast, the advice and discussion show for members of the National Student Television Association, produced by PASTA, the NASTA alumni organisation. I'm Gary Roger, former NASTA chair, and my guest for this special double edition of the podcast is Matt Capon, a.k.a. Capone. Over the past decade, Capone has been a station creator and manager, a NASTA host, an executive member, and just about everything else that student television has to offer. As we approach NASTA 2016, I spoke with Capone via Skype on a wide, wide variety of topics, and what follows is part one of our conversation. Part two will be available this Wednesday, 16th of March. Over the course of our discussion, we cover NASTA, PASTA, current trends in multimedia, advice for stations, working with other media outlets, and just about everything else pertinent to student television in 2016. First, I asked Matt how he sees student TV today compared with when he first got involved some 10 years ago. Everything's digital. Everything's digital. And everything's a lot more affordable as well. I think that's a very crucial thing because when we first started with Lust, we had to, to borrow, borrow the term, beg, borrow and steal in order to assemble something that resembled a station to find old bits of kit that had been lent and given away and shifted around the student union the way it still is for many people and to really work at trying to transition from an analog base to a digital base well an initial digital base as dv dv tapes were very much the common denominator with video production at the time now Everything is much more smoother in terms of that workflow, in terms of production. You have the proliferation of digital cameras, DSLRs, card-based workflows. It's much, it's smoother, it's much more glossy, and it gives people an easier jumping on point to be able to get involved in content production, to be able to really embrace creativity and to feel confident in learning new skills because I can't speak for you, Gary, but when I first taught myself how to edit when I was at Leicester, it was off of the back of a VHS editing deck where it was a linear editing system. That's unheard of now. Yeah, I think there's a whole generation of people now who don't know the joy of editing from, say, one VHS deck to another. Yes. And avoiding the uh, the dreaded colour bars uh, in between edits and so on. But there are lessons, though, that I've since tried to impart on student TV stations and groups that I've worked with, both voluntary and professionally. And that is that did teach you the idea of the linear passage of an edit and to actually have patience and an eye, especially when it came down to capturing your rushes, to actually look through the rushes that you have captured because now everything is so immediate you don't really have that pleasure he says of going through what you've recorded and critiquing it before you begin the edit let's look at this from the position of say if you're a station manager because a lot of people will be will be about to become station managers in the next few weeks mm-hmm. ahead of the new term so anybody who's been involved in student tv for more than five minutes knows the the depth of technology that's available at your disposal and technology that the average person has never seen before, be it editing suites or you know, proper sound recording equipment, whatever it may be. And also you learn about the importance of working with other people to 
engage in you know creative pursuits and so on and so on. Now, anybody who's been in student TV for a few minutes knows that, but anybody who's a fresher and you're looking to attract freshers into your station, every single one of those freshers is going to come armed with a very basic video camera in their pocket and they're all capable of uploading a few seconds, minutes video of themselves to YouTube. How do you then convince people that that isn't really student television, just doing a vlog or something like that? You know, the, the student television offers so much more scope. How do you convince freshers of that, given that they've got that technology that we didn't have even a decade ago? User-generated content has its place. It has its place. And I'm very lucky to have got to know um, a variety of people that have enjoyed a flourishing career as content producers um, who are off in the States cutting a path in that guerrilla element of content production and they're very good at what they do. However, that isn't student television. What student television presents, what it provides, is a collective creative atmosphere. It allows people to bounce ideas off of each other. It allows you to use teamwork as a means to create something that is greater than the sum of its parts, to be able to almost mimic and mirror a lot of the aspects of your standard news show or a sports show. You're able to put your own spin on it as a team. It's the elements of teamwork that really draw it together where some people can find a niche and really flourish in elements of be it motion graphics, camera work, even on-screen work. And it's often, it is often the case that that comes about through working together in a student television station where you have common purpose, you have a common goal. And sometimes it's a case of proving someone wrong, proving a group wrong. But you do so together as a unit, as a team, as a bond. There's a family, as cliche as perhaps it might sound. And that teaches you a lot. That teaches you an awful lot. And it's a real valuable thing. And as I said, user-generated content has its place. But to have produced something, say an elections results night show, I've seen just in a recent one that Guild TV had produced this year, amazing bit of content. They produced that as a team and it brought people together. And it was a team effort. And to see that end result, there's nothing like it. There's a satisfaction there that you're just not going to get if you've uploaded a bit of content yourself to a YouTube channel and you're hoping that you're going to hit maybe 3,000 or 5,000 views or whatever. There is a difference. There's a lot of similarities between the two, but the differences between them are vast. And it is something that does come through again and again when you see various best broadcasters over the year, whoever it may be, they're always a cohesive unit. It's always a successful team effort. And at the end of the day, it's more important to get the teamwork in place than actually the finished product, so to speak. Because I know that it's very easy to get wrapped up in trying to make the product look as good as possible. I mean, I'm even using the word product right now, even thinking of it as a product. Whereas ultimately, it, it's, it's, it's a learning platform. And even if your station didn't produce a single program at the end of the year that you wanted to put out there, if you were learning while you were engaged in the process and you were building up a nice camaraderie and a nice team spirit, then that's the most important thing. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, 
the thing that matters above all else, above all else, even above making the content itself, is that you are surrounded by good people who you trust. You trust them and they trust you. And that you're able to walk into any scenario, any event, any creative opportunity with those people beside you and they've got your back. They'll do their job to the best of their ability, knowing you too will do your job to the best of your ability. And that you can go into any scenario, any situation, and you will go in there with a view to making the best content that you can. But that content will come about not because of the point of creating content, but the people that are there looking to create that content. And you can always tell, you can always tell without fail, the content that really lights up NASTA during the awards. When you see something on screen and you can immediately see every face of that station, eyes on the screen, because they're all invested. They're all invested. They've all got a story that lies behind what led to that show being made, that promo being made, that showreel being made. They've all got a story to tell and they've loved it. You can tell the atmosphere in Master is always electric because of that fact every single time. Right now, student television in comparison to other forms of student media, is it on the ascendant? Is it is it struggling to maintain its visibility is it struggling to maintain finance where is it right now because you know the, the, these themes are always they're ever present of course They've been ever present ever since student tv began but where do you see it in terms of the su's these days are there perhaps different regions of the uk where television student television is more prominent than others how do you read it it's an interesting scenario because the market the higher education market of which student unions are a part, are slowly, gradually understanding the value of video. They understand that the student experience requires a shop window to continually work in the process of selling that experience to new students, to freshers. And there are a lot of student unions in the country that are desperate for creative, legitimate, and authentic content. And that comes from student television. That comes from that common wish to pursue a creative endeavour, to make a show that promotes a union or what or whatever. The Freshers' Guide from Gust, prime example. Every year I love to watch that because it just gives you such a great yardstick about what's going on north of the border. I love it, absolutely love it. But more unions are wanting to see content like that produced. And I know that the NUS have perennially struggled with understanding student media. And I've worked with them in the past to try and help them and assist them in finding that understanding. And they never seem to quite grasp it. They never seem to quite understand the nuances that sometimes student television stations, student radio stations, student newspapers will never fall in line with an agenda, be it operational or strategic, of a student union because 
the wants and needs are so different and there's confusion that confusion emerges out of language and music it emerges rather out of very bad communication and where nasta sits really i think there's, there's different elements to look at here because student television on a local level is moving much more towards what i suppose you would call the mainstream because video is in demand we live in a multimedia age and video content is a must-see asset for any website, any Facebook page, any Twitter account, any Instagram channel. It is something that is really, really important. And there's a need there for that content to be made. And student television has been making it for the better part of 50 years now. But on a national level, the national scheme within NASTA, I think it's approaching a crossroads because... I feel that there is a disconnect that is developing, not through anyone's fault. It's through the natural growth of the association. I think there needs to be a reinvigoration of what NASTA is doing. Um, there needs to be a reinvigoration that reconnects with stations on some of the basics, on your day-to-day, -day, the bread and butter. The regional officers do a fantastic job. However, the regional officers are doing the job that the NASTA exec used to do. So the question is, what are the NASTA exec now doing if the regional officers are undertaking work that those roles used to do themselves? It's some really hard-hitting questions that really NASTA will have to ask. And as we both know, it will come round where the association will look at itself and say, what can we do to raise the bar again? It happens. It happens. It's a cycle, and that cycle will come back round. It will. Now, that leads me nicely onto NASTA, because I was going to ask you, where does NASTA fit in 2016? When NASTA was originally formed, communication was not as easy as it is today. There was a need for stations, perhaps you know, with some sizable geography between them, to be able to come together and work together for a common cause and be able to share information and so on. Just just actually finding information about the best ways to produce television programmes would not necessarily be too easily available to the general public in say nineteen sixty eight. Because it's it's you know, it's 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 internal knowledge. It's not necessarily something you're gonna find out easily in the local public library. Now, in twenty sixteen, what purpose it's a blunt question but what purpose does nasta serve in 2016 and how does it make itself future proof for 2020 and so on what purpose does nasta serve oh gary what a question really nasta remains the community the community is never going away the community is only going to get bigger but the way in which the digital landscape has changed the game with how content is seen, with how content is consumed, how it's produced, how it's conceived, it's a game changer. And NASTA really needs to revisit the idea of innovation, to revisit the idea of what can get eyes on content both on a local level and on a national level. I think with the way in which video has becoming much more of a mainstream concern within the marketing mix within the student union sector, NASTA should be looking 
at how it positions itself as a national authority, as a body, as a spokesperson, how it can represent and how it can look to be recognised as a spokesperson, as a body and as an authority. It works both ways. I think there are opportunities to renegotiate a relationship with the NUS, to look at how the NUS can work with NASTA, but how NASTA at the same time doesn't lose its autonomy, that there is a necessary separation there. And that's always been a concern ever since I was a fresher. I remember when I asked, perhaps foolishly, why isn't NASTA working with the NUS? I now have since understood the politics and the history that has lied behind that and really to NASTA's place sits as being one that any station can pick up the phone or an email or Facebook and it understands that NASTA is there NASTA is there to help them in a contemporary and relevant way that the association understands the nuanced nature of stations on a local level but also that it has a resource knowledge base there for anyone to dip into and to facilitate that support that has been at the heart of the National Student Television Association for 50 years. Now, back in the day, it would have been, for example, newsletters, and then later on you would have had your web forums and so on. What platforms should NASTA be using today in order to best communicate with stations? the platform that NASTA should be communicating with stations on. It's worked very much towards Facebook as every <laughs> the horrible phrase, everyone's on Facebook, why aren't you? And the move away from the NASTA website as being the resource, um, the portal for information and knowledge. Where it goes in the future, apps and the and the consumption of information is much more immediate now and it's becoming more immediate how does that work for student tv that's hard to say that's there's, really there's still there's still a purpose for the nasta website but it could be that in order to then get people there that you've got to attract their attention on things like facebook i mean nasta can nasta.tv that can be the repository for detailed information because something like for example obviously Twitter with its character limit or Facebook in terms of Facebook is not great when it comes to disseminating large amounts of information. So NASTA.TV could be a good repository for a lot of dense information, but principally in terms of how do you keep the communication going, for example, how, how do you, how do you spark up conversations? How do you actually get people engaged on a day to day basis? Cause it's something that you hear every year at conference people saying, Oh, wish we could do this more often. See, that's a, very, that's a very good point. I would say it's about being proactive, particularly over the last three to five years. I would say NASTA has in many ways grown towards being at odds with itself. I have always said, and I will always continue to say, NASTA is made up by two constituent types of students. You have students that want to pursue a career in the media and communications industries that want to go into television, that want to be creative. And then you have students who are going to be doctors, who are going to be nurses, who are going to be solicitors, who will be estate agents, who will be policemen, who work 
within NASTA as a student, who work within student television as a student because they simply enjoy it. It is a hobby that they take a great deal of enjoyment from. NASTA has moved towards one at the detriment of the other. And I always remember being told this by Gemma Hanley, the gust controller. Some people are involved in this not because they want a career, but just because they love student television. That's something which I've noticed a gradual move towards. And I think it's something which NASTA needs to take stock of. In terms of its communication, it's proactivity. It needs to be proactive. It needs to be able to answer the question before it's asked. It needs to be everywhere, relevantly and visibly. It shouldn't react. It should act. It should be happy to promote. It should be happy to engage. It should be happy to buy into ideas that people put to it, just as people should feel that they can contribute to ideas such as Fresh's TV. That was one of the underpinning ideas of Fresh's TV that saw it move forward as it did, and it continues to go on to this day. So really it is, it's about always looking, always looking forward, but not to be embarrassed about what you see looking back at you in the mirror. With my very brief reading of the information to do with NASTA, 2016. I noticed there's a little bit more information on there in the, the general text about the nights out, for example, which I think backs up your argument that it's it, it's sort of it's it's marketed towards this, the more social aspect. As far as the website is concerned, I remember saying to yourself just recently that one of the first things that you see when you land on the website at the moment is a story about bids for NASA 2014. It, it does look as if the the website and and that side of things in terms of you know looking after the people who want a career in television it looks like that needs a bit of a a kick it needs a bit more oomph it needs a bit more detail in there because that could be a great resource that could be something where you know the station sign up for a year and what have you and they've got access to a fabulous wealth of information on the website, you know, passport protected or whatever it is. I mean, that that could be that could be a great selling point for NASA. Would you would you agree, or is that just? I mean, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if that's just my own view. Maybe that's dated. I don't know. We both know that the NASA website has always been a little bit of an albatross around the neck, particularly with the marketing officer and particularly with the technical officer. It's never been quite what it should be. And it never really is what it ought to be. It just simply has emerged and evolved as a creature of necessity. And it shouldn't have been. Originally, when it was nasta.org.uk, before we moved to nasta.tv, that was a website that had much more depth to it. And was also had a lot more context to it as it changed year on year. It's where the results of the old... National Survey used to sit, it's where the reading list used to be, the equipment suppliers list, I could go on. NASTA.TV was was a very different creature and the circumstances around moving towards .TV um, really underpinned that. The move really wasn't undertaken in the way that it should have been. Now, bringing it forward, avoiding the anecdotes to today, the current marketing officer 
and the current technical officer have really done a great job to sort out the shop front of the website. But what's lacking in the next stage, in my personal and professional opinion, is the curation of the existing material that was on that website that is no longer accessible. It's always been something, as I've said previously, NASTA very easily can fall at being at odds with itself. And similarly, it can also find itself making the mistakes of the past. A lot of the records of those mistakes of the past were on that website. They are now no longer publicly accessible. I think it's going to be important to look at the curation of content for the website. And I know that there will be there will be plans and there will be discussions that would have been had about this. But looking forward, because people's time in office is almost finished, there will be new officers um, yet to emerge. That information needs to be in place and accessible because that website is central to the function of NASTA. And currently, it is not working to its fullest capability but it's getting very close. To what extent do you think NASTA is working well with other organisations such as the SRA, for example? Is it working enough with those organisations? Should it be focused more on its own backyard? I think NASTA needs to get its own house in order and it needs to understand what it is again. This cycle comes round about once every three years where it needs to understand its identity and then build off of that. I've not seen evidence that NASTA has done that. I haven't seen evidence that NASTA has really understood what it is to its members and then developed its national voice accordingly. To be brutal, I think in many ways it's gone through the motions where you have some very disparate activity but no real joint collective activity. And that's not a that's not a comment on the regions, because I know the regions, there's a lot of interaction and, and a lot of engagement. But from a collective national mindset, I question where it thinks it sits to actually the reality of where it sits. Now, how it interacts and how it works with the other associations, it's a very different market to what it was when I first arrived. It's a very different market. It's a very different landscape. When I first arrived, it was the SRA and NASTA fairly at odds with each other. The SRA was just really emerging off of the back of the collapse of the National Student Broadcast Network. I believe that's what they were called off the top of my head. And NASTA was really happy at that point in time to be the alternative. Today, you have the emergence of the Student Publication Association. They are really finding their feet. They are really finding a voice, perhaps a little bit too keen to try and please everyone without finding their own identity that serves a purpose, and equally a little bit perhaps too derogatory of the function of television in, in a multimedia sense. Radio, the SRA is a much different creature now. I'd say it's certainly a bit more timid than it used to be. And where does NASTA sit? We're in, I've said it before, we're in a multimedia age. There should be greater overlap between, certainly between TV and radio. There should be, because there's relevance there. The SRA have recognised it. I forget the name of the awards category that focuses on multi, 
on multimedia content production. It talks about platforms. NASTA needs to re-examine how TV is being consumed and how student TV can relate to that, really. I think it will come when that critical mass is reached. But at the moment, yeah, at the moment, I don't think too many people seem to be satisfied to say that they are members of the NASTA exec, but I don't think they realise how to assert that on a national level. Just finally, on on the question of the the NASTA website and other sort of front-facing elements of NASTA, do you think the NASTA should be perhaps working with organisations like, say, the Student and Student Times and the National Student as far as providing content for sites like that on the topic of student TV or perhaps, you know, aggregating some of their content onto NASTA website? Do you see any sort of scope for any kind of sort of crossover, tie-in promotion like that? Content aggregation is an interesting one, but I would say in the interests of raising the value of the brand, in the interests of raising the value and visibility of student television, I think there should be an integration of content onto the NASTA website first and foremost. It is a membership-led organisation that is as great as the members it represents. And I think that the website should showcase and spotlight that content a lot better than it has done in the past. That's a general comment. That's something I always said when I when I was on the NASA exec. It should, a lot more should be done. It's always come close, but I think with the way that the digital ecosystem that multimedia content exists within, I think it needs to talk a bit less and posture a bit more because that's how people are seen where they don't necessarily talk the talk but they walk the walk and that's really what I think should happen and that would really encompass a lot more a lot more relevance to what NASTA is and would perhaps give value where value has sadly over the passage of time been lost. And incorporating NASTA, but not necessarily exclusively about NASTA, are the ties between student television and the television industry, are they as strong as they've ever been? Do they need work? Do they need to be improved? Because you know we, we frequently see members of the broadcasting establishment, quite often ex-NASTA people, then coming back to do workshops or be judges or whoever it may be. But does that need to be strengthened? Does it need to be a sort of permanent sort of bridge built between the two? Perhaps something involving, say, BBC Academy, whatever it may be? It's an, inter- it's an interesting situation because NASTA has done some amazing things and continues to do some amazing things. But what people don't really realise, and I do because I've been around since dust was invented, is you've seen a rise in alumni finding their feet and forging very strong, very active and very successful careers in the industry. The numbers of visible success are only getting bigger and they will continue to get bigger because the base of creativity and of talent within student TV on a national level is its richest it's ever been. 
the relationships as a result with the industry are interesting because they're twofold. You have the entry level and the mid-weight level, it's improving. But on a senior level, it's not really moved. Not really. The support and the patronage of people hasn't really shifted a gear since, I'd probably say, since about 2010. And that's not Nasta's fault. It's because there hasn't been any real shift in the understanding that student television is very much a thing. I've, you'll correct me if I don't remember which awards it were. were. No, I do. I'm a liar. It was 2011 where Lisa Rogers said, and it's a fantastic quote, you're not making student television, you're making television. That really hasn't been carried into the industry from people who understand the importance of student television as being the lifeblood going into television. The, the people that are making the NASA Awards are the ones that will be going into working to working in the BBC, working in ITV. It's an interesting one because it's really endemic of how the industry hasn't really successfully built that bridge between the production of content on a voluntary youth level to the production of content at a professional level. NASTA still sits in that vacuum, and that's why we haven't seen any shift in it, in my opinion. There is always that problem of NASTA having had its fingers burnt to some degree with various third parties over the years. Quite often you'll get companies really looking for very low-cost content and perhaps giving them credit for it and then racking up hits on their own site. This is a potential problem, isn't it, for, for student TV stations because, you know, student TV station makes something which turns popular, becomes viral, then they should be getting the credit for it. Oh, completely. But those groups and companies and individuals who have come to NASTA with a view to acquiring content with a view to wider aggregation had never really understood the nature of the beast and they always assumed that they had a solution to a problem that never existed. That was always the common, common link with the, with the discussions and the meetings that I have been party to, that I've advised on. But today, those content aggregators work with individuals. They work with individuals and small groups of individuals because content aggregation is a user-generated content environment because it's the individuals that are making the content that's going out that might go viral that might not student television has sort of shifted somewhat away from that very popular populist rather side and that doesn't mean that student television lacks value it doesn't if anything it has greater value but its position in demonstrating that value has shifted because the market is competitive. There's more, in, there's much more involvement in what producing a video means than what it did five, six years ago, even going further back than that. So yeah, it's little, it's little wonder. It is little wonder that these things have shifted as they have. But I don't think you'll see the people cease to be interested in Asta, but NASTA is much more aware of its value 
it's much more aware of its position than it was back in 2009. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about promotion of your material because it is a very crowded marketplace, I suppose you would say, these days. And you've got multiple platforms, multiple devices, all screaming for your attention 24-7. First of all, via the prism of NASTA itself, how do you think the Freshers TV is working these days? Is it evolving? Is it, does it doesn't need to be shaken up at all? What's the station engagement like with Freshers TV? Because we've now had that since 2009. It's quite funny, really, thinking how old Freshers TV is now, because it really was viewed with a lot of doubt by a lot of people. Would it even work? Because you have to remember... NASTA, up until Fresh's TV, had never got together outside of the conference. It was unheard of. Would stations actually care enough about something outside of the NASTA Awards? And very satisfyingly, they were. They did. We had the first NASTA Summit that was held in Southampton with attendees from Glasgow, from Leeds, from Exeter. And that really set the ball rolling. But today, in 2016, I think Freshers TV has value, it has merit. It's still a fantastic idea and it's still the only thing of its kind in the UK to happen and happen successfully. But it needs it needs a bit of a fire lit underneath it. It needs to be shouted about better. It needs to be embraced better because that event really launches student television year it is an event it should be a destination it should provide people with that first glimpse about what that year in student tv is going to be like and i think it's suffered a little bit because people don't know what to do with it anymore and i think it's important and it's continued to flourish moving around different stations i loved what dean tv did with it and you'll very rarely hear me as the creator of Lust saying that. I loved what Forge did with it. I loved what LA1 did with it. It's really important that stations are able to put their mark on it. But there still needs to be a bit more. There needs to be something that adds that air of excitement and must see back to Fresh's TV again. And we were very lucky. We had the we had the opportunity to attempt something that had never been tried. And that drove us to really, really try new things and I think that needs to be revisited in order for the idea to be given merit because subsequent ideas haven't worked to follow Fresh's TV and the question has to be asked why and I think why is because it doesn't excite and engage as Fresh's TV does so start with Fresh's TV again look at what can make it go from being a great bit of annual content to an amazing bit of must-see content that anyone can watch that's a jumping on point to understand what student TV is, what it's capable of, what it can do. And I think if you nail that, you will see a resurgence in what makes NASTA NASTA. One wee technical query at this point. Does Freshers TV need to be a live show? Because it seems that it's it's trying to do two different things at the same time. It, it, it's NASA stations want to do live shows together and want to experiment with 
live streaming and so on. At the same time, as you're saying, Freshers TV is like the start of the student TV calendar year, so to speak. And it is that showcase for all the stations. Would Freshers TV work better if it was entirely in the can, so to speak, and you had other events throughout the year in which you could then try out live streaming? Interesting point. I think it's important that if Freshers TV, and I hope it does, retain the idea of a host station who can direct the creative direction of the show. Really, if they want to try something different, they should feel empowered and able to do so. Are we seeing an oversaturation of live in Freshers TV? Perhaps. But then there isn't currently a united common outlet at Freshers TV for student television to really experiment with live that is master-led. There isn't one. There might be that might emerge, but currently there isn't. So it's natural for people to want to attempt a live stream. I think the live stream has value. I do. I, I've had several discussions down the line with people that have said, oh, Nasta's just concerned with live streaming. My station can't live stream, so I can't be a member of Nasta. Nonsense. Of course you can be a member of Nasta. But I think it's important that that creativity and that adventure to try live streaming is supported as best as it can be. And I think currently, over the last couple of years, the technical officers have done amazing work to ensure that stations feel confident and capable and able to try live streaming when they otherwise might not have. But at the same time, some stations may not want to do live streaming. So is that suitable for Freshers TV? It's hard to say. It's hard to say because Freshers TV is a student television idea that was created to harness the best out of student TV. If the collective will of NASTA doesn't want it to be live streamed anymore or for it to take on a different identity or a different turn, then they will make it happen because that's the nature of the beast there. And in terms of wider promotion over the course of the year, could, in your opinion, could a UK student TV station, whatever entity that became, be it a linear channel or purely a collection of video on demand material, could a UK student TV station work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. And it's something that you do have in other parts of the globe, isn't it? It's something that's very common in America, for instance. Yeah. NASTA never realises how it is looked upon on the global scene. I have spoken to and worked with international student media groups who look at NASTA as the dream aim, an association that has gone on as long as it has, that has been organised as it has been, that has retained a very strong student-led, student-driven ethic. People would bend over backwards in countries like America, Japan, Germany, the entire, the entirety of Scandinavia looked at NASTA as being something they wanted to aspire to, and they tried really hard. A linear channel, a digital channel comprised of student television, yeah, that would be a, that would be a success, and dare I say, would actually show up a few national broadcasters and national bodies that have tried to create such a channel, such an outlet. 
because NASTA has that beauty about it. It's peer-to-peer. It's legitimate. It's authentic. It's real. There isn't any pretense. You will see content that will emerge out of student TV that has meaning. That meaning can be thoroughly ridiculous. That meaning can be absolutely preposterous. But fundamentally, it is student television. And it would get viewers. It would get viewers. But, as with anything, that channel would need to be curated and managed properly. It would need to have structure and it would need to have direction. If that could be achieved, yes, it would be a success. Everything that you're saying there about it would need to be curated, it would need to be managed, you could translate all of that into it needs money behind it. Is the willpower there, do you think, amongst, say, current students, recent graduates, is the willpower there to get together and pursue this idea sufficiently until you find someone, be it, it's probably not going to be the BBC in the current climate, but perhaps a conglomerate of broadcasters to put together the money to actually fund this to try it out for a year or so? Never, never underestimate the ability. There's nothing, nothing, to do, nothing to do with ability. Nothing to do with ability. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, no, no. it's, it's about, it's about it's the willpower there to actually see that project through to its completion because you'd have to bang on that door so much in order then to get a financial commitment from the stations. Exactly the kind of thing that... I mean, somebody like Channel 4, for example, which is, at the moment, fighting off the possibility of privatisation. This is exactly the kind of project that they could get behind and then they could say... You know, look, we're, we're helping, you know, fund the next generation of broadcasters. I mean, if you look at it in sort of cold calculating terms, that's how they could then spin it and justify it and so on. But is the willpower there? Well, first of all, you've got to remember, and on top of everything I've said, it's something that's important to stress. And some people forget it, and they shouldn't, is that NASTA is a voluntary body. It has an executive that is made up of voluntary individuals, many of which will be students still. The host station has a host coordinator who is a student who is undertaking full-time study. Current host is Jess. When you've been a host, you know the stresses that you're under. To be able to pursue something, as we've discussed, would require a considerable amount of motivation because it will require even more dedication to see it through. And really, I think the willpower would be there. The willpower would definitely, definitely be there. However, it's whether there is simply enough time in the day for that to ever become a reality. And I don't think it is because as much as the idea is the epitome of really strong blue sky thinking, there are more important things for NASA to be worrying about, but it should be an ambition. It should be an ambition that should be revisited and it should be explored annually because you never know. You never know when the right people will attend NASA or reach out to NASA where something that can be a passing discussion suddenly becomes more than that. So never say never, ever. Well, of course, we are on Pasta Cast, and we'll talk a little bit later about Pasta 
as an organization because I think that for something like that, I think that pasta could be the missing link uh, because you've got people who are recent graduates but also potentially one foot in the broadcasting industry and they could be that bridge between mm -hmm. the two. But we'll talk more about pasta later on. Last couple of points about getting your material out there. And I'm more thinking about individual stations now than necessarily via NASTA or any other sort of grouping. You do a lot of video production yourself. How are people accessing video in 2016? What's the dominant platform? Are people still principally on their laptop or is it is the balance actually switching now towards mobile and tablet? Oh, it's mobile and tablet. You'll still watch content. You'll still watch content on a laptop. There's now the ability to access content which you might access on your laptop and on your mobile now through a television. But it's there is a level of immediacy with how you consume video. And on the whole, particularly when I've done work with private clients in the past, it's all done primarily through mobile. Should that dictate how long your content is? Do people watch online video on a mobile for as long as they would watch it in front of a television, for example? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I have sat through... I won't name the station or the student, but I have sat through a YouTube analytics report with a content producer, a scriptwriter, for a piece of student, let's call it drama, and this piece of content was half an hour long, and it was shown on YouTube, and it was spectacularly failing to retain engagement with its audience and we had a long conversation about how you should really be catering for the student mindset which includes the student attention span and it was a very difficult negotiation to impress upon them that the content needs to be should we say streamlined and that 30 minute show became 10 minutes and it improved the analytics as a result, it wasn't great still, but it was better. So really it should it shouldn't dictate, but it should heavily inform your content choices. This is really an impossible question, so I shouldn't really ask it, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Because <laughs> everybody wants to know the answer to this, and everybody's trying to find out the answer to this. How do you get people's attention these days? If you just look at something like the you could call it the wall of noise that's on the front page of YouTube today. As we're speaking right now, you've got material in front of you. Obviously, you've got ever-present material from Vivo. You've got Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon pushing viral clips in front of you. You've got Saturday Night Live you know, pushing clips in front of you, so on, so on. Bad lip reading, whatever it is, it's all screaming at you saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And all of the things I've just spoken about are all well-funded, possibly with the exception of one or two, they're all well-funded entities who are promoting that content. And that's the key thing, is promoted content as a reason why it's sitting there on the front page of YouTube. How do you get your material in front of eyeballs with, with that kind of crowded marketplace? You've got to be creative. You have to be fiercely creative not just in terms of what you make, but also with how you sell yourself and how you market what you do. The Deadpool movie, classic example, and one that I actually think will be 
a bit of a watershed moment for how you market content. You make sure that the marketing behind your content is must-see, that it gets people's attention, and that they have no choice but to click on your video, to click on your content and watch what you are saying. It has to make people want to see what you've got. Your content needs to be a destination. That's the key thing. If it's a destination, then you're going to get people there. And you've got to sell yourself. You've got to sell yourself really strongly and sell what you've made just as strongly. And you've got to be relentless. You will feel terrible if you have a conscience, if you're spamming your content out there. But sometimes that level of consistency and regularity is important because you've got to make sure that people have no choice but to look at your content, that they they know about it. The best thing you can get is, oh, I heard about that from someone else. Someone says that to you, and clearly you're doing something right because word of mouth is making it spread. And that's what you've really got to do. But really it does come down to creativity. If you think that just maybe a Facebook post or a photo or a little bit of a teaser is satisfactory enough, think again. It's not. You've got to really look at how you're going to use new media, how you're going to use Instagram. How are you going to use Snapchat? Is Snapchat going to be something that you're going to use to promote your content? You've got to think. I hate this phrase. I hate it with an absolute passion. It epitomizes everything that I don't stand for. But you've got to think outside of the box. And I hate myself for saying that. As well he might. Anyway, there are nine previous Pastacast podcasts available with advice on a wide variety of administrative and technical issues relating to student TV. You can find them all at mixcloud.com forward slash Pastacast. And they're also available to download on iTunes. We'll be back in two days' time this Wednesday with the second part of our discussion with Matt. Meanwhile, thank you for listening to the Pastacast.